Shalom, people of God, in the holy name of Jesus. And shalom to you online. It's so good uh, to be with you this morning. Hallelujah. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Who can declare the Lord's mighty acts or proclaim all the praise due him? How happy are those who uphold justice, who practice righteousness at all times. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to me with your salvation so that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones. Rejoice in the joy of your nation and boast about your heritage. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have done wrong and have acted wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not grasp the significance of your wondrous works or remember your many acts of faithful love. Instead, they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his power known. Psalm 106, 1 through 8. The more I dwell in this season, a season of a deadly disease, a season of American political idol worship, a season of desperate action for renewal, the more I recognize in my humanity that the Lord Almighty is our only hope. Yes, as Mike Glenn said, launching this vision series, we have been here before. But what is far more important to remember is that God is still with us here and now. We are children of this most high God, the one who is good, whose faithful love endures forever. The one who has mighty acts, who is just, who is righteous, and who gives favor to his people. He comes to us with salvation and leads us into promise and is all powerful. Yes, this is quite a painful season, but church, do not let that to cause you to lose hope in our powerful Savior. And as we adventure and discipline ourselves together this vision month, we launch into the book of Daniel where we remember how God in his faithfulness, stewarded us, took care of us. And because he is faithful to us, we respond in faithfulness. And because he has much mercy towards us, he shows his people favor and makes his power known. Stand in reverence of the book that speaks of our salvation that is only in the name of Jesus. Would you stand for me? Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion 
from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner and the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of those 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Verse 17, church. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding and every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for just your word, the word that gives us knowledge and wisdom during a time where it is so easy for Satan to get into our minds of what is true knowledge and what is true wisdom and what is truth. Jesus, I ask that you whisper to the heart of our souls that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way and there's no other life but in you. So Lord, I ask that for these people, I plead the blood of Jesus over these people, that they would walk in the power of your blood because there's no power stronger, mightier, and almighty, period, than the blood of Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. You will be seated. So here we are, dropped into a Babylonian scene of Daniel and his friends at the king's table, refusing to eat and drink the king's food. In some sense, it feels like a Christopher Nolan movie, if you know some of his movies, where we sit back and prepare to hear a story unfold, but as soon as we read the first verse, wham! We are dropped in the middle of a conflicting scene where Daniel is refusing Food. Maybe children, you're refusing food, your vegetables sometimes, and parents, you know how dramatic that scene is, where I oh, just eat your vegetables. We are dropped in the middle of a conflicting scene. It's like a cuisine of resistance already happening in this passage. And why this is so striking is because of the land and the loyalty Daniel and his friends are forced into. Daniel 1 begins with a little Star Wars rolling upward towards space kind of introduction by saying this, Daniel 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, good-looking, 
Yeah. Suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and captive of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of time, they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief unit gave them these names. He gave them the names Belshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. So this is the backstory that led up to the story that we are reading about at the king's table. Daniel and his friends are chosen representatives of the king's court because of their knowledge of Jewish custom, and they look like people who could hang around royalty. But Daniel and his friends do not find contentment in the standards of the culture, nor do they compromise by trading their faithfulness for comfort. The king was right. These were men who were wise and knowledgeable Israelites. Men who would have read the word of the Lord from Jeremiah that said, Seek peace and prosperity of the city to which God has carried you into exile. These were young men. But youthfulness, youth was not an excuse for a lack of faithfulness. They trusted the word of God to seek peace. Not a peace without conflict, but peace that goes through conflict. And that peace is only in the presence of God. They sought the presence of God. Church, this is so good because this is an example of faithfulness. Because Israelites lost their land and their temple. They thought that because Babylon came in, and took their land and destroyed their temple, that it was a declaration that the gods of Babylon have defeated the great I am. This might hit a little too close to home for the church in 2020. We have set ourselves up in believing that although COVID-19 has laid siege and political principalities have impacted the house of God, that the great I am has lost the battle. But what the Israelites did not know and what the church has forgotten is that the Lord Almighty is just and despises sin and wickedness. He is the great judge who indeed judges his people and the nations. But what we also forget today is that we can be reminded from the story that this same God who went into Exodus is the same God who went into exile. The presence of God is far more than a land or a temple, more, far more than America or a church building. The presence of God has always been with his people, whether in exodus or in exile. God has not lost the battle, church, and God has not been conquered because the gods and kings of Babylon are not a threat to him. At this king's table, there's still only one throne. This is the wisdom and knowledge that Daniel and his friends had at the king's table. Daniel and his friends don't need to be set apart from the poor to eat like royalty or to be conformed into the image of Babylon. They know that it is not the king who gives life and wisdom, but the Lord. They want to be set apart for the sake of holiness. So they don't eat the food, but the water and the vegetables. So... Children, remember that. 
Many teachers say that the food was meat that was against Jewish dietary laws and the wine was used in sacrificial worship to the Babylonian gods. There were a few motives as to why Daniel and his friends chose not to eat it. Some teachers say that it is because it was against that Jewish custom. Others say that because it was a feast and because feasts resemble power, that it was a political statement on who really had the power. Whether the motive... We know that these young men were pursuing holiness. What we tend to miss is that a refusal like this in many ways was treason and could have led them to their execution if it was in the presence of the king. Remember, the king laid seeds to Jerusalem. He destroyed it and there was no nothing there. It was just destroyed. And he was determined to have his kingdom higher than any other. It was rebellion to reject the way of the king. But hear what happened. Daniel 1, 8 through 9. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness, favor, and compassion from the chief eunuch. Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, grants sympathy to Daniel and his friends by entertaining the request. It was not because of solidarity that Daniel was given mercy. It was because God intervened. Daniel and his friends were not alone. The very presence of God was with them. And God showed up and gave his people favor. He gave steadfast love to Daniel and his friends by giving this chief eunuch compassion for them. Look. What happened in a place where there was only one power, the power of Babylon, the power of King Nebuchadnezzar, where royals feasted on his fruit, resembling that he is the one who's in control of all peoples. God gave favor, gave power to Daniel and his friends. And because God was faithfully present with Daniel and his friends, Daniel and his friends faithfully persevered. These were young men who were put to the test to eat vegetables and to drink water to show that their appearance would be healthier than those who ate the king's food. Ashby and I agreed, and at the end of those 10 days, they looked better and healthier. Something I need to do that I'm learning from the text. Here is what you must hear from this story, church. The book of Daniel begins with the king ordering the people of God to be re-educated with all the wisdom and knowledge of Babylon, which the king claimed was ultimate power. Yet the faithfulness of Daniel and his friends in remembering the Lord was rewarded. Daniel 1.17, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. So church, listen up. Hear me. What this short story of multiple stories in the book of Daniel is attempting for you to hear is not only does the presence of God go into exile with the people of God, but that even when the principalities of this world attempt to re-educate you on who is most powerful, remember this. God does not go into exile because he is weak. God goes into exile because he is the most powerful. Who is it that really has all wisdom? Who is it that knows what is true life? Who is it that has real power? 
The next few stories in the book of Daniel shows this power struggle, showing us that sometimes what God calls us to does not make much sense in comparison to the powers of this world. You know what happens as the people of God when we don't rely on the power of God? We end up falling surrender to a fear of man. Hear that again. You know what happens when we don't rely on the power of God? We end up falling surrender to a fear of man. What the word of God is helping us to remember and what Holy Spirit is helping us to live into is that the divine power that is experienced through faithfulness in God. After this story, the king has a dream that can only be interpreted from Daniel because God had given Daniel favor and divine power to interpret dreams. Then the king puts a gold statue to be worshipped, but Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah refused, trusting in the Lord alone, even if they were to die by the blazing furnace because they knew God alone was the Almighty. Not only were they saved from the fiery furnace, but not a smell of smoke. Not a smell of smoke was on them. That is more than a rescue, church. That is divine power. And because Daniel was devoted to prayer and faithful thanksgiving to God, he was thrown into the lion's den. He was thrown into the den of darkness. But it was faithful thanksgiving that led him out with every lion's mouth silenced and shut. That is more than a rescue, church. That is a display of divine power. Like Elisha's prayer for his servant, I pray that our eyes would be opened to the power of God in our midst. Like Daniel, we need to turn our attention to the Lord, to seek him by prayer and petitions and fasting, knowing that God is abundant in compassion. Even during the life of Jesus, the people of God were under powers of the empire, but the Romans were not a threat to the kingdom of God. The kingdom that Jesus was ushering did not look like any other kingdom the world said was the most knowledgeable and the most wise. The kingdom of Jesus was upside down in its form of thinking. Foolish to the ways of the world. Instead of feasting at a king's table like Nebuchadnezzar, sharing that this way of life is the most supreme, Jesus at his table shares that by no other name can humanity be saved. At his table, he shares that his body must be broken in the breaking of the bread. He shares that his blood must be poured out in the drinking of the wine. It is at his table, our king's table, that he shows us that divine power looks something different. Looks like something different. It looks like love. In this same scene, Jesus redefines how his disciples are to look at power that in that same scene, while having all power in his hands, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It is in this confession of faith that we live into the power of Holy Spirit today. The confession that only by the blood of Jesus, and yes, church, there is power in the blood that one can be saved. Jesus is king, and his kingdom reigns over any and any other, every other kingdom, whatever the age. And it is from this faith in our Jesus that we steward ourselves. Our stewardship is rooted in the favor and power that God has given us through Holy Spirit. Yes, to serve, but also 
hear me, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to bring good news to the poor, to see them, share compassion, and to preach the gospel that saves. This means that while we are in the land of Babylon and when we are asked to dine at the table of culture's king, we are faithful to the God who is over all. So let me remind you what happens when we let fear or flesh speak over our faith at such a table. We will trade humility for heresy and love for hate. Just because we steward good works does not give evidence that Holy Spirit is in us. Jesus said to the church in Ephesus that they ought to repent because they have forgotten their first love. We are known as set apart at the king's table because we abide in the love of Christ. And it is in abiding in the love of Christ that we look like Christ in service and stewardship. So church, maybe you're not living in such divine power because you have abandoned the faith and are satisfied in any other truth than the love that God has for you. If so, confess that the Lord is true, almighty, and repent. Because here's the thing, church, he's merciful. He's not a shaming God or a condemning God. Anyone is welcome at his table, no matter what type of season you've been in, what story you've had. And maybe the thing that's been keeping you at the Lord's table is like, oh, no, 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 no. It's too late for me. Stop that. That's a lie from Satan. Some of you have not abandoned the faith, but instead you are like the disciples looking up at the clouds every day. And angels have been saying to you, child of God, why are you standing looking up into heaven? Church, just because it seems that our land is in turmoil does not mean that we just stand around looking into the skies. Do not hear me wrong. It is good to have a holy longing for Jesus to come back. But while we are on earth, Jesus said as soon as he came in his life and his ministry, he said that the end of the days are already here. If the church in Acts kept on staring up into the clouds, they would not have received Holy Spirit. So hear this. If that's you, stop standing around. There's a seat seat for you at the table. And he's merciful for you. Loves you. And he wants to walk out of that restaurant from the table to be with you in power. The love of God leads us to serve in the will of God. And he is showing us favor and power to live into it. Daniel and his friends show us that even while in hostile moments in exile, the people are shown favor to be in a holy moment of exhortation. That in the end is probably what drove them these last 10 days while they were waiting in exile. Their faith that God alone has made a way in Exodus, so he'll make a way in exile. Jesus must be our vision these days. And if he is our vision, Holy Spirit will show us favor and make his power known through us as we steward ourselves in the name of Jesus. So while you are at the table, remember Jesus. There is a seat for you at this table, not just for you to eat, but for you to speak. That there is no one more powerful 
than Jesus. When I think about Daniel and his friends those 10 days, I wonder what they were doing each day. And I'd like to think about Daniel that in his character he had faithful thanksgiving. Day one, I'm going to thank the Lord. Day two, I'm going to thank the Lord. Day three, I'm going to thank the Lord. Day four, I'm going to thank the Lord. Day five, I'm going to thank the Lord. All the way up to ten. Holy Spirit is doing a new thing in his church, even during a broken time like this. There are new testimonies of the Lord's faithfulness happening right now in his church, in this world. So don't just settle for remembering what God has done. God is still doing a new thing. Don't convince me otherwise. He is still doing a new thing. So today, don't settle for what just happened yesterday. Holy Spirit wants to do something again today. So I don't know what day you're on, but God is wanting to do something faithful through you today. Oksana, as your team come up, I wanted to close this this moment in time with a holy moment of prayer because that is what Daniel did. He was so committed to petitioning to the Lord. Lord, have mercy on your people. Have mercy on this land. Have mercy on these nations. Altar calls are one of my favorite things, but this is what I want you to recognize from this moment. Today is a new day. And the vision that we have, Jesus being our vision, no matter what happened yesterday, I don't know what your type of day yesterday was, but Jesus wants to do a new thing in your heart today, right now. So if you want to make your seat an altar, or if you actually want to use this altar There's no shame. There's so much mercy and grace. If you don't know the gospel, I want to tell you it right now. And it's this. We've been singing all along that Jesus came. He dwelled among us, struggled, but did not sin. To know and empathize with everything that we've been going through. And he died so that we could be forgiven. Because yes, church, we are sinful and wicked. But by his blood, we have been redeemed. And we can live resurrection in exile in 2020. It might feel like exile, but what I love about the early church is that every day for the church of Jesus Christ, there was resurrection every single day. So if you don't know Jesus, we want you to. Brandon normally hangs out over there. If you want to talk to Brandon, you can. But in this moment, he wants to know you. He wants to sit with you at the table. So let us take about 120 seconds to pray, to seek the Lord for revival in our city, but also for just 120 seconds. Don't be content with it. Let us just look to Jesus while we're at this table in 2020 and tell him, Jesus, you're faithful. You are king. Let's take 120 seconds.